We gather today because it is Shabbat. It's what Jews do on the seventh day. We welcome the day of rest with family, friends, and community, and pray for peace. Peace for us, peace for our people, and peace for all people. We gather today in determination and defiance. On some level, to be a Jew is itself an act of defiance. We will not cower, we will not cringe, we will not crawl. We have seen it all before, we have survived it all. We're not going anywhere. You can harm us, you can inflict pain upon us, you can kill us, but you cannot destroy us. We gather today in relief. It was a searing, emotionally draining day for the families, friends, and community of Colleyville, but also for us, the Jewish community. We felt somewhere deep in the inner recesses of our being that bottomless, murky, dark dread of centuries of animosity against our people. We know, in ways Jews always know, there is a human virus, a plague, we now call anti-Semitism, that is ingrained, inveterate, indelible, ineffaceable, and ineradicable. The relief we felt when we received word that all the hostages were safe was both personal and collective, reverberating in millions of Jewish hearts and souls. We gather today in gratitude. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam hagomel lachayavim tovot shegamalani kol tov. Blessed are you, O God, ruler of the universe, who rewards the undeserving with goodness. Oseh mispat laashukim noten lechem lareivim Adonai matir asurim. God grants justice to the oppressed, gives bread to the hungry, and sets free the hostage. We are grateful to the law enforcement community that worked with such professionalism and purpose. We are grateful to Congregation Beth Israel under the leadership of Rabbi Citron Walker for their amazing grace under pressure, for their courage, their humanity, and their kind and generous spirit. We are grateful to our brothers and sisters in the Christian and Muslim communities whose outpouring of love, affection, support, and solidarity touched our souls. Local churches immediately worked to shelter, provide for, and comfort the families of the hostages. Local mosques and imams rushed to Colleyville, not only to condemn the hostage taker, but to express their friendship, respect, and concern for their brother, Rabbi Citron Walker. They felt as if one of their own was threatened. They all represent the best of America.
In this spirit, I want to welcome on your behalf and thank my friends, our friends, who are with us today and will deliver the final prayer, all of whom wanted to be here to express their community's solidarity with the Jewish community. Reverend Stephen Bauman, Senior Minister of Christ Church, United Methodist, and co-chair of our Partnership of Faith, and his associate, Reverend Dr. Violet Lee, Reverend Dr. Greg Stovell, Head of Staff, First Presbyterian Church in New York City, Imam Dr. Mohammed Hatim of the Admiral Family Circle, Reverend Brenda Husson, Rector St. James Episcopal Church, Episcopal Priest Reverend Thomas Faulkner, Father Brian McWheeney, Director of Interreligious Affairs of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of New York. Friends, we are deeply touched and moved by your support. Know that there is a dull fear in every Jewish soul that in the end we stand alone, abandoned to the wolves. As the Bible states, Am levadad yishkon uvagoim loit hashev. The Jews are a people that dwells alone, not reckoned among the nations. Your presence reminds us that we are not alone today. So many people of good faith and all faiths stand with us. I say to the Jewish community, interfaith dialogue is imperative and it works. We come to know each other as people, not caricatures. We come to recognize our commonalities, to view each as creatures of God, endowed by our Creator with fundamental dignity and equally deserving of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We come to realize that what binds us together in the common cloth of humanity is far greater than that which divides us. I'll make four comments. One, security. In truth, any Jewish gathering, any Jewish institution can be the target of hate. It occurs in the Orthodox community, as in Poway, Muncie, repeated assaults on the streets of Brooklyn and New Jersey. It occurs in the conservative community, as in the attack on the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh. It occurs in reform synagogues, as in Colleyville. It can happen in casual gatherings in secular settings, as in a Los Angeles restaurant last year. It is a sad statement on America that Jews are at risk in every place where Jews gather. It's not as bad as Europe, but it is plenty bad and novel for us. Most of us have never experienced what we are feeling in these very days. I want to reassure you that you are as protected here as can be reasonably expected. With your support, we invest considerable resources in a whole variety of security measures, some of which you see and some you do not see. 
Our professional staff undergoes training from our security consultants. We are in direct and frequent contact with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies. It is sad that in order to pray, we must enter through metal detectors. We are diminished by this need for increased security. Our task, our mission, our vocation, our purpose is to open the doors wide to welcome the stranger, the orphan, the widow, the poor, and all who seek shelter, comfort, warmth, and human compassion. Alas, we must deal with the world as it is, not only as we would wish it to be. Two, the nature of anti-Semitism. The more we learn about Malik Faisal Ukram, the more recordings we hear of his rantings, the more it seems to lay observers that this man was deeply troubled emotionally. But even conceding mental health challenges, we must ask a basic question. Why seize Jewish hostages? Why a synagogue? Why not a local bank, a mall, a supermarket, a courthouse, the nearest Applebee's? Why not some media company? Or for that matter, why not a church or a mosque? Why a synagogue? Why Jews? I was struck by the initial statement of the FBI, later corrected by Christopher Wray, the FBI director, asserting that Ukram was not driven by anti-Semitism. He wanted to free Afia Sadiqi, a terrorist convicted of attempted murder of American military personnel who was incarcerated in a Texas prison. The initial instinct, even of professional law enforcement, was to think that this guy traveled from England to Colleyville, Texas, happened to just find himself in a residential neighborhood, happened to find a building that looked like a synagogue, it happened to be on Shabbat, and he just happened to say to himself, hey, maybe they can help release Siddiqui. Just a random, coincidental turn of events that didn't really have anything to do with the Jews. There is an instinct to underplay not only the presence of anti-Semitism, but the nature of anti-Semitism. We cannot defeat Jew hatred unless we understand its nature. It's easy to condemn the individual murder of a Jew. What right-minded person could condone taking four Jewish hostages on Shabbat for any purpose? The reason that Ukram was there was that he thought it was the closest 
synagogue to Siddiqui's prison. Why a synagogue? Because he was convinced that the Jews could arrange for her release. Where did he pick this up? That is the question for all who seek to fight effectively against anti-Semitism. Where did he pick this idea up? The identity of the actual gunman is secondary. The real question is where did he pick up this hateful mindset? Who told him? What drove him to target Jews? One of the oldest anti-Semitic tropes that has caused untold devastation, first and foremost to Jews, but eventually to society itself, is that there is a secret Jewish cabal that pulls the strings of the world to benefit the Jews at the expense of everyone else, that Jews control everything. In the last century, it was the elders of Zion who undermined world unity. Today, it is Zionist elders hypnotizing the world and manipulating the great powers. There is a Jewish conspiracy, some kind of international plot that is directed and centralized. It's why Ukram got into his head to call our colleague in New York who heads a synagogue called Central Synagogue. She can get Siddiqui out. Think of the absurdity of it all. Jews are less than 2% of the American population and are the targets of 58% of all religiously motivated hate crimes. We are less than 0.2% of the world population. You can fit all of the world's Jews into one Shanghai neighborhood. What explains why this people a minuscule percentage, a rounding error of the world population is the target of so much invective, hate, and murderous designs. The focus on an obsession with the Jewish people's mysterious powers to control the world is what unites both right and left-wing Jew hatred. Anti-Semites are obsessed with what they call international Jewry or the worldwide Jewish conspiracy. Nothing you do will change their minds. Their anti-Semitism is not really about you. It's about them. It's about their own fears hatred, suspicions, and insecurities. That's why anti-Semitism is so dangerous. The Jewish people is, and has always been, the perfect scapegoat around which to organize and rally people to extreme political causes. It is nefarious Jewish power, somehow centrally organized that stands in the way of peace, prosperity, liberation, or justice. Thus, 
communists could accuse the Jews of being capitalists. Capitalists could accuse the Jews of being communists. Nationalists could accuse the Jews of cosmopolitanism, and cosmopolitans could accuse the Jews of blind loyalty to the Jewish people. To fight effectively against anti-Semitism, we must take on the toxic ideology, the place from which Jew hatred emerges, poisoning the heart and radicalizing the mind. It's not simply condemning the individual act that results from this radicalization. That condemnation, of course, is welcome and necessary, but it is only the first and the easiest step we must do the much harder work of eradicating ideologies of hate in our communities. It means facing the problem of extremism and anti-Semitism head on. It means acknowledging with honesty that anti-Semitism today is not only the domain of white supremacists and neo-Nazis. At her trial, Siddiqui insisted the jurors undergo genetic testing and demanded DNA results to prove that none of the jurors was Jewish. Siddiqui must be brilliant. This MIT graduate with a PhD in behavioral neuroscience from Brandeis, Brandeis, was convinced that you could prove Jewishness by genetic testing. There are Jews of every color of the gorgeous rainbow of humanity, but somehow a blood test could single out the Jews. It demonstrates yet again that hatred is not the exclusive domain of the uneducated and that the most brilliant people can be ignorant and captive to conspiracy theories. Yesterday was the 80th anniversary of the Vance Conference. I see some people here who have traveled with the synagogue to Vance. Remember that? Outside Berlin. On January 20th, 1942, 15 senior Nazi bureaucrats gathered in this lakeside village in a beautiful pastoral setting to plan the final solution to the Jewish problem of Europe, 80 years ago yesterday. Half of the participants had advanced degrees and carried the title doctor. They were educated, they were cultured, they loved opera, they listened to Beethoven. At one and the same time, they were refined and savage. In our technological age, refined Savages are the most dangerous of all. Siddiqui reportedly wrote to President Obama, cautioning him, study the history of the Jews. They have always backstabbed everyone who has taken pity on them and made the fatal error of giving them shelter. That's why Holocausts keep happening to them. This was the woman who brought a crumb to Colleyville, Texas. That's why he was there. This is the woman who is considered a heroine among many. This is the woman who is the subject of an international effort to get her released from prison. 
Western and American organizations rally for her release. They consider her incarceration, incarceration an egregious miscarriage of justice. Why the surprise that a follower of this person ended up holding Jewish worshipers hostage in a synagogue on Shabbat? Where else would people who are fiercely driven ideologically or struggling with emotional problems, or both, where else would they go if the institutions that embrace them, the leaders who teach them, and the community that supports them all tell them that the Jews are the enemy? After her conviction, Sadiqi declared, this is a verdict that comes from Israel, not America. So three, let me say a brief word about Israel. It was symbolic for me to hear Rabbi Citron Walker describe when he first learned that this person he made tea for to keep him warm was a villain. It was when the rabbi's back was turned to the gunman because during the Amida prayer, Jews turn and pray in the direction of Jerusalem. Facing Jerusalem is when Okram chose to threaten the hostages. That is when they heard the click of the gun. Our friends, all those wonderful people who are disgusted by extremism and are motivated by the desire to do good should realize one thing about the Jews. The land of Israel the city of Jerusalem is sacred to us. We have turned to face her for millennia. It doesn't mean that we should not find a way to accommodate two people's national aspirations. We need to share that small parcel of sacred land. This synagogue has always been in favor of a two-state solution, and we will continue to support those who work towards this end. But we can only create peace if we also acknowledge Jewish identity and Jewish national aspirations. Jerusalem was proclaimed the capital of Israel by King David 3,000 years ago. We are not occupiers. We are not colonialists. We are not foreign invaders replacing indigenous populations. The opposite. The Jews in Jerusalem created the religious framework for Christianity and Islam. Jews in Jerusalem laid the intellectual foundations that led to the enlightenment of the West. The ideal of dignity that all are created in the image of God. Intellectual pluralism, debate, reason, evidence, the embrace of science, the foundation of all these values were laid by the Jews of the land of Israel in antiquity. This week's Torah portion, each row, contains the Ten Commandments. 
It was our people who first insisted that law govern society, not the pharaoh, not the king, not the autocrat, not the wealthy. All are equal before the law. The world is redeemed through justice. The Jews of Zion bequeathed the prophetic legacy of the yearning for peace. When Martin Luther King proclaimed, let justice roll down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream, he was quoting the Jewish prophet Amos. The Hebrew prophets dreamt of the day when all shall sit under vine and fig tree and none shall be afraid. The very name, Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, means the city of peace. That is why we turn to Jerusalem in prayer. It symbolizes the Jewish people's yearning and most fervent aspirations for the establishment of the era of peace for all. And without even knowing why, that is when Ukram chose to threaten, to hold hostage. He clicked his gun at the precise moment when Jews turn in prayer to Jerusalem, the city of peace. Four, finally, I urge you to stand up and be counted as Jews, proud Jews. Stand in awe before the unfurling scroll of Jewish destiny. You are connected to something special and precious. Am Israel, the people of Israel. You are the heirs of kings, prophets, freedom fighters, poets, teachers, and moral guides who revolutionized human thought. You belong to an ancient people that changed the world. Commit and recommit to the future of our people, to Jewish education, Jewish self-determination, and collective Jewish dignity. These, more than the harm that our foes can inflict upon us will determine the future of Judaism. I thank God for making me a Jew. I am grateful to live in these times, in this beautiful country, witnessing the miraculous revival of the Jewish people in a Jewish state. I'm grateful to magnificent people of different faiths who stand with us in our time of need. I pray for all of us. May we live long lives, lives of honor, kindness, mercy, compassion, meaningful lives, promoting goodness, joy, and peace. Jewish sages ask, who is a hero? And they respond, 
one who turns an enemy into a friend. To this we dedicate ourselves anew and pledge the last full measure of our devotion. <laughs>